You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Ian, look at this. What, it's a police box. What on earth are you doing here? Well, these things are usually on the street. Look, feel it. Feel it, you feel it. Faint vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who, a fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going next. You're probably a bit confused right now. I broke the glass. It's all come back to me. This. What is this? That's my ship. What? Let me take it from the top. Hello. I'm the doctor. I'm a traveller in space and time. And that thing buried down there is called a TARDIS. Time and relative dimension in space. You're gonna love this. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to an episode of Earth Station Who, and we are on Facebook Live at the same time. Hi, everybody. Let's wave. You know, we're actually on video, so we actually have to actually pretend that we're interested in this episode. So let's try to be here. My name is Mike Faber. I am the host of the Earth Station Who podcast, and we got some great people with us tonight. Let's welcome our guests. Angela Pritchett's here. Hi, everybody. Hi. Uh, we can't hear you. You can't hear me. What? No, we all of a sudden we can't hear you. Uh, wow. I, can I can hear. I can hear. Can you hear me? There you, you hear me? There you are. There you are. <laughs> weird. That was just you. We could hear. I know. Yeah. It was weird. All of a sudden, it, you just went, it went thing. We're doing this live, so this is what happens when we go live. How are you, Angela? doing great how are you guys doing good it's been a long time and you know and we also have kirby bartlett sloan joining us welcome kirby Hi. hey from the 20 megabyte po- doctor who podcast, doctor who podcast yes, yes. I, I remember the title of it <laughs> i've been listening to it long enough i think you know it's pretty awesome a lot of people leave off the doctor who part for some reason <laughs> oh it no you guys are definitely a doctor who podcast and yes. it's it's been interesting to hear what you guys have been talking about and it's gonna be interesting to hear what your thoughts are on this episode and of course as we've been doing all season long with the f- folks we've had joining us um we're not going to ask your full thoughts on the season and stuff because you know we're going to be getting into that tonight with everything. And so this is what this episode's about. We're going to be talking about Doctor Who Flux, the six-part uh, 13th season of Doctor Who. And if you haven't seen it, folks, we are going to spoil the hell out of it. How exciting. <laughs> Spoilers. So please, definitely um, check it out. And, of course, we have our regulars with us. Of course, Mr. Mike Gordon is here. Howdy! Are you ready to get fluxed, my friend? <laughs> I feel so fluxed. <laughs> and Mary Ogle is here. Hi, everybody. It is fantastic to be here. It's wonderful to see you guys again. And you guys can actually see us. This is pretty darn awesome. Yeah, and it's we're, pretty scary. We're currently <laughs> up on 
Facebook Live, and we are through the Earth Station Who group. And in a minute or so, I'll share this with the Earth Station One group and the ESO Network group. So we'll probably get quite a few folks in joining us and probably even post it up on my personal page. So if you guys want, you can do the same thing. And if you want to follow along, you know, please do. We want comments from the peanut gallery. And also, as promised throughout the season, we have had guests on the show, and they've gotten back in touch with me, and they've given their ratings, one out of five TARDISes, one being the worst, five being the best. Boy, was this a big range, folks. Uh, (laughs) This was Chris Chibnall, hopefully, we thought, doing what he does best. And I've seen, you know, reviews across the board on this one. Some people have loved it. Some people, you know, want to crush it into the ground. But all in all, the one thing I have heard, you know, and we've talked about this multiple times, Jody was amazing as the doctor in this. I have not heard one person, you know, complain about her. And I think, and I think, Mike Gordon, you even said it. And, you know, that Jody came into her own as the doctor this season. Me, certainly. Um, I, uh, uh, d- despite whatever else went on uh, in these past six episodes, I thought she was strong, uh, very strong, stronger than I'd seen her uh, portray the doctor in, in all the other seasons that she did. So uh, she's definitely going out uh, strong. Well, very much so. And I think she felt the most comfortable. I thought she was very, very entertaining this, this season. And there's been a lot I've loved about her this season and even previous seasons, but I always felt like it was kind of uneven and hate to say it, blame the scripts, most of it, but it hasn't been her acting, but she was consistently finding her place as the doctor in this. What do you guys think? I think she was fantastic in this. Absolutely. And she did have, I think better, better dialogue overall, better stories overall, as flawed as this was. I'm not saying that it wasn't flawed. It was, but, um, but Jody really gave it her all. I never once felt like she wasn't the doctor. Mm. No, definitely agree with that. And that was the kind of the cool thing about it is I thought she was great. And there was even hints of brilliance with some of the companions. I thought Yaz was very yo-yo in this, but I think overall we got what we were hoping to get from Yaz, especially the in the first and fifth and sixth episodes with a storyline. Well, she was good when she was given something to do. <laughs> she, that, that didn't always happen. <laughs> nope, but, agreed. you know, when, when she was, she came through. And Dan, I thought Dan also made a good companion. I was... You know, to be honest, I was going in this into this with the attitude of, oh, okay, I had to shoehorn in a white guy. Um, but I ended up liking Dan. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's very true. It's, you know, I like Dan at parts. There was times it was just like Dan disappeared. And I think that's the poor writing and poor, you know, I guess, narrative for the character. I thought the actor was amazing. I liked him. He's very likable as a character. And dare I say it, I like him than some of the other male companions we've had on the series since the new series, you know, came back. 
Well, except for Graham. Of course. I mean, he's Graham's Graham. always the epitome. <laughs> You'll never get him being, any, being more than Graham. Graham is oh. just all, you know, so. And also, he had some really funny moments, though. Like, they brought in the really cheesy jokes for him. Yeah. The damn jokes. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Because, like, when he has the walk, he's just totally, like, hamming that up. So, like, I, I really, I, I was worried about Dan too when they announced him after New Year's special. But, um, like, watching this, I was like, okay, I'm getting kind of like almost old classic vibes from him, the way he was bringing the character in, which was really fun. And then also, all the dad jokes were great. So, <laughs> I, I knew nothing about the actor before he was announced, and I wasn't real sure. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to understand his accent. Uh, and I really liked him and he was, he was, uh, an interesting character when he was being used. No, exactly. And, you know, there was parts of the storylines where I felt like he completely disappeared for, you know, and there was other times it felt like he almost was too knowledgeable about stuff like he you know wasn't a fish out of water type thing because he was brand new with it and you know and then also his ties with condonista and everything so it was interesting speaking of knowledgeable if i can change if i can ask this now of course how did vendor know what a tardis was they never resolved that they never resolved that (laughs) and also um his wife knew what Gallifreyans were. And so it was, there was just some really weird things. And that led into a lot of people thinking that they were the doctor's parents, but that just wouldn't. Uh, Thank, thank God that didn't happen. (laughs) That didn't happen yet. Yet. (laughs) (laughs) Don't burst my bubble. Don't don't speak it into the universe, please. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's not manifest that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the the part I get worried about is you know, let's not get that back in the specials or anything. But truthfully, and you know, I liked Vendor and what was her name again? Bell. Yeah, I liked them, but. They could have done the season without them. They didn't add anything yeah. to it. The same thing with uh, Big Old Snake Boy. In, in some episodes, they almost took away. Yeah. No, agreed. Agreed, agreed. The coolest, the coolest thing, uh, at least in this family with uh, Belle, is that the actress was adopted from China. And, you know, all three of my girls are adopted from China. So they, they were going, oh, cool. Hmm. That's even that's very cool. So that must have hit home for you guys a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, that's pretty awesome. And yeah. I, you know, I like the actors, but they, you know, they really didn't add anything to it. Well, you know, I mean, this is this was, you know, I think we've said it a couple times, but uh, bears repeating now that we're talking about the entire season. This is the best of Chibnall. It's the worst of Chibnall, right now. Um, I had complaints about him for his past three seasons because I didn't think he um, was able to uh, juggle three companions with the doctor on a regular basis uh, throughout um, all the other seasons. And now he gives us like, like in the first episode, I think he's like, Oh, you know what? Um, 
you thought it was weird that I had three. Um, I'm going to have like, I'm going to introduce like 18 more characters. Going on in an hour. <laughs> so, so um, I was like, wow, that's, I mean, I know a lot of people were complaining that they had trouble keeping up with, you know, I mean, it was just moving uh, from character mm-hmm. to character. Some of the characters worked for me. Some of them didn't. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I think, um, especially if it's true that this was supposed to be originally be eight and you had to trim it down to six, I think we could have definitely lost some characters, but maybe at that point, the casting had already been done. They'd already signed the deal. So they had to use them. I don't know, but, um, yeah, it did seem like, uh, once again, he had trouble juggling, uh, all those characters and some of them that I thought started off interesting, like Claire, just went nowhere. I'm yeah. hoping they're going to bring her back somehow. I doubt it. I doubt it. Mm, yeah, okay. I'm hoping. <laughs> who, who I'm knows? Hoping. Yeah. Who I mean, knows? yeah. I mean, it's all, you know, big finish, you know. Well, not but even I mean, big finish. You have three specials and you, you know, you need to see how she knew the doctor and Yaz in the first episode. You know, she ran into them before. You know, she said she knew them and. So, but you haven't met me yet. That's in your future. And it's like, what? And we had said earlier in a previous episode that it might have been because the angel was projecting something into her head. But I don't buy that. I think there's, you know, I'm hoping Chibnall has something more to do with that. Yeah, I'm not holding my breath <laughs> yeah, I'm not, for that. I'm, because, yeah. I mean, it's one of his known weaknesses as a writer, bringing in too many characters, you know, with rather than depth. You know, maybe maybe let 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 have fewer characters and let them breathe, get to know them, explore them, and get to know their life stories rather than well, exactly. you know just every time you every time you're you get um, you don't know where where you want to go, you just bring in another character. I mean that that doesn't serve him or us well. No. Well, we actually got a comment over on the uh, Facebook group, and Ooh, it was, our, people are watching. They are. We actually have. A few people watching. Watchers. And so wave. Hi, hi, hi. Um, and so uh, Felicity is actually watching. Hey, Felicity. Um, she actually disagrees about the Great Serpent. She thought he was a great, better villain than Swarm and Azure. And actually, in a lot of ways, she was. Well, I'll, I'll agree he was a better actor. <laughs> I mean, the guy playing the Great Serpent was good. I, I liked him. Oh, very much so. But I like the actors they had, you know, playing Swarm and Asher. And they actually had two actors playing Swarm because he regenerated. Not that they explained how he regenerated or anything, but, you know, it was just real interesting to see about it. And nothing about the story about how she was stranded on Earth looking human. And. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. And up in the Arctic Circle or whatever with that other guy, and it was it was just weird. I think they I think he was making known that and throwing a lot of stuff certainly at the beginning, like um, everything that you thought that was maybe singular uh, to Gallifreyans is not so much. Uh, there are other beings. Maybe related to Gallifreyans, we don't know. I mean, it depends on how far you really want to take it. But there are other uh, there are others that can use the sort of fob watch technology 
There's some that, you know, know what they know what a TARDIS is. There's some others that can regenerate, you know, like it, there seemed to be like um, something on, on, on Hib's plate, like kind of hinting that there was something else that he was trying to say. Maybe he still will. Um, but um, yeah, I, 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 that's what, I think we were led to believe, believe in the beginning that there was going to be a closer link to all these characters. Oh, very much so. Turns out there, like especially when they were talking about division. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And actually, Matt Sweatman's also watching. Hey, Matt. Um, he said unanswered questions were, of course, Bell and Vinder, and poorly answered questions was Claire's connection with the Doctor. And I agree with that. And you know, it's kind of just how we were saying right now that you know. Chibnall had had a great start and everything. You know, a few of us actually said in the very first episode of the season, it was like he almost crammed too much in that episode. And I don't know if that was because he had to because of cutting down between, you know, from six episodes to eight, from eight. Or, from eight to six, yeah. yeah. So, but, you know, it's just, it's interesting to see what, you know, was it, you know, he, they threw so much at us and so many questions and so many things. It's just like, boom, 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 boom. And I don't know if it really even paid out, even in the end. So. No. The answer is no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, even if, even if you thought it was a fun ride, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that one thing that he was, I don't know if he was told to do this or whatever, but I mean, it was pretty much like, this is it. This is your, the end. Uh, the timeless child thing has to go away, bury it, do whatever He's you have to. Literally. And, they literally and, buried it and, in the center of the TARDIS. Yeah. We'll give you six episodes and you've got three specials, but really those are going to be more standalone things. And uh, you've got three specials to really just kind of wrap this up before you know, the handoff. So I, I, I think, you know, I mean, nothing, I don't expect anything that was uh, introduced here is going to go any further than what we've seen in this. Well, I think we're going to get some answers. I think they're going to have to, because a, the TARDIS is falling apart more than normal. And, you know, I, it's care. That's already carrying over into the new Year's special. Cause it's right on the poster. It, the TARDIS think, is cracking. Yeah. I think, I, yeah, the scenes that they showed or whatever didn't seem to imply anything. But yes, the poster did show the cracks in the TARDIS so that maybe what's going on with the TARDIS will be resolved then. I mean, who knows, right? Yeah. We don't know. But, um, who knows? But yes, yeah. <laughs> That's one thing that was addressed in the first two episodes of The Flux, but then not addressed again at all. Well, exactly. And actually, Lillian Robin actually posted on our Facebook group, it's like how much of the universe is left for stories anyway after the well, flux destroyed you know, They didn't resolve that at all. Yeah. <laughs> the universe was still destroyed. Exactly. At the end. And that's the thing. It was it was destroyed. And you know, there's nothing all those races and people are gone. They're unless there's a big reset button or a doctor can unflux the universe somehow. Um, those people are gone. How are they going to do this? 
I mean, let's let's put this into perspective. They literally said, oh, half our planet and a quarter of our moon is still here. Yet we're breathing air and we're walking. So <laughs> I'm not just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because Dr. Who. You're very wibbly wobbly with some explanations. <laughs> no, you're, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. You know, and, you know, all these people were destroyed by the Santarans. And it's just like. This is just poor. Well, thinking. the Daleks get destroyed, and then they're back in the New Year's. Yeah. 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 Well, point. at one point she does say. At one point she says, "If any, if the universe can be compressed, which is what the flux is doing, then what division is doing with the flux, then it can be uncompressed." I got a feeling that there's supposed to be a scene at the end where she uncompresses the universe, and everything is is sort of back to the way it was. I don't know that that's true. If we'll see that in the New Year's special or not, but I think that implication is there. So, you know, everything wasn't destroyed. It was compressed. Well, exactly. And, you know, maybe that leads into the doctor's regeneration in the fall special is she does something to restore the universe and it costs her her life. Uh, She sacrifices herself. I I think she's already, I think that's already happened. Yeah. I think because the way that the, that this, the, the way that the season ends, the way that the flux ends and they're like, Let's go on adventure. I don't think that they don't say like, hey, let's go fix the universe or whatever. They they act like it's already done. Yeah. So I get the feeling that it's already done. It's not going to be addressed in the specials that she uncompressed the universe. Everything's fine. now. Well, time restored it. Is that it? That, you know, <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. When time was, you know, basically took out Swarm and Azure just like that. And then, boom, it was not even it was not even funny or anything that you know how quickly they were gone and then your time is coming doctor and this time you will die no and it's just like oh god we've heard that a zillion yeah, times yeah that just all i could think of was the ood yeah. <laughs> talking to david Tennant. your song will end doctor yeah. um debbie over in the group actually said each season leaves more and more open ends for characters and it's true. It's just the characters just don't finish. There's nothing, you know, they just introduce all these characters, unless you're poor Professor Jericho, who did have a proper say, ending. I was going to say, I think Jericho is pretty much finished. Yeah, which, which is horrible because he was my favorite new character yeah, of the season. Yeah, well, why can't he be uncompressed if the flux, if the flux caught him? <laughs> Uh, Elizabeth, Laney, Elizabeth Laney wrote, the universe will regenerate with the doctor. And then, uh, of course, Matt Sweatman said the universe was put in a big zip file. <laughs> it's just in one of those like vacuum cleaner compression bags. Yeah. So they decide to open it back up and they, they find out, you know, they have space for it. No, definitely. And then, of course, uh, Drew Myers here. And he said, is there another passenger with the universe in it? So that's a good question. And, you know, I suppose we could find out the doctor puts <laughs> the universe in. in well, it could be just like something. the Pertwee era and they'd just be stuck on Earth again for <laughs> the rest of the series. <laughs> it would save a, a lot on budgets or, you know, CGI. A dinosaur hand puppets. Exactly. That's, uh, that, that is another big weakness. I mean, we talked about characters, but uh, I think a big weakness, the biggest weakness to me and all, because like, some of the characters were kind of interesting, even though they didn't really get a lot of uh, you know deep char- characterization and, and stuff to do. 
but I, I think the biggest, one of the biggest weaknesses for me of this is that the, 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 the goal of swarm, the, the, th- the, the stuff about time passenger, all that stuff just struck me as a bunch of nonsense and exactly. uh, just words that made mm-hmm. it. And I like, there was no actually like interesting ideas, science behind it. It just seemed like they were just words that he was throwing out there. Um, time versus space and all this crap. I was just like, I don't, you know, I have to care. If there's going to be a, a story with uh, you know, with characters that I, I am invested in, I need to care about what the what's happening. And you know, you can't just say oh, the universe is being destroyed, so you know we need to save it. That's especially in Doctor Who. That's not enough because that's happened like a billion times <laughs> all <now>. the time. <laughs> you have to you have to come up with a concept and then like really just like explore it. And he just threw out words, all the stuff about the tunnels and everything, just. It, it just gives you a headache when you start thinking. And it's just, it's all very disconnected. I mean, I, it's interesting that, that he, he made such a big deal of saying this is going to be one big story. And yet it's not there. The story doesn't go anywhere. It just goes off on all these tangents. And so I'm not sure you had, you did have one big story. You had a bunch of little stories that sort of every once in a while bumped into each other. They, they took a dart and threw it at a dartboard, and that's how they fi- fi- figured out their organization for the episode. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're going we're gonna to have this really cool angel story, but we're going to take away from it at points and talk and talk to these other two characters who are searching for each other, but then we're going to throw you back into that story. When really we should have just had the story and not taken you away from well, it. Well, exactly. Yeah, I got a feeling the angel story was written by one writer. <laughs> And it was. And the other parts were written by by Christian. That's one of my biggest complaints for some of these, especially that episode. They shouldn't have just taken you out of it so much because it was, they were, they were getting a little scary. They were getting like, you know, that spookiness about it. And then boom, you're thrown out of it. Well, for for me, the angels actually got scary again. This was, you know, because the last time we really saw the angels was what the angels in Manhattan or whatever. The last one with Rory and Amy, and that they were ridiculous in that one. And I really think the Statue of Liberty again, exactly ridiculous. What (laughs) I know, but but they this time out they this is as scary as I felt they were in Blink. And it was it was awesome, and I thought they were a true threat. And the cliffhanger ending on that with the doctor becoming an angel was just perfect. That I think was, it was the highlight for me. Oh as yeah, as far as all the cliffhangers, yeah. And it was also like just the angel talking through Claire too. So it's just creepy, like mm-hmm. that they'll just hide in your brain and chill out there for a little while. <laughs> I was. Like, bought- Really creepy. I was bothered by the fact that we once again changed the rules of the angels, and now if you're touched twice, you go, you're mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly destroyed. Well, I don't know if that was a. That's the thing. I don't know if these are set rules or if there are certain ones that are working for division uh, and, and some that are not. I, you know, again, that area was breaking down was. too, so you don't know if that's a result of. But they the area they're in, they like, couldn't yeah, go further back yeah, or something because bad. it was quantum law. Yeah, because there was nowhere for them to go. <laughs> exactly. And that's partly what I was thinking because, you know, technically Rory got hit twice by them. 
if you think about it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, in Angels in Manhattan, he fr- he first went back in time. You know, that's why the doctor and Rory had to go uh, – sorry, doctor and Amy had to go to that hotel to rescue Rory back. And then um, then he was touched again at the graveyard. And, you know, okay. and then the Amy got hit. So he had got hit twice. And, you know, everything, you know, about the angels, you know, oh, you can't go – the doctor can't go back and do that. It's BS. The doctor can go back and – rescue the people if he if he really want he or she really wanted to uh, you know it, it depends on what the plot requires um, yeah and i'm okay with that because if the doctor could can always go back well then there's no story because the doctor can always go back there's and no, they did, exactly. they did the one different thing they had both times basically talking to each other at the same time so they did have different aspects that they haven't shown us before yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Uh, Felicity put, uh, to me, the biggest lost opportunity was not linking the whip, Whipping Angels to Maury. Both were quantum locked. So I could see that. Yeah, uh, actually, I, yeah. that was a missed opportunity. Yeah. Gee, really? By Chibnall? No. I mean, one of the one of the million. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I think uh, also... Uh, in addition to making the uh, Weeping Angel scary again, I think he did a really good job with the Centaurans. Yes. Uh, they didn't seem yes. as, as funny and uh, comical and muppety as they have in the past. Um, they, they seem like a real threat. I don't know if I would, you know, put them among the big three well, like they seem to at the end of this. But um, – I certainly think, especially in that first episode where they're, you know, where they're, uh, it's the, it goes back in time. That's probably like my, uh, one of my favorite episodes of the flex as well. Cause that's almost a standalone as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love, I love the callback to um, the first Sarah Jane story uh, with the one Centaurian general, the, the one that's in my picture here uh, saying, uh, referencing links having uh Right. Claim the earth for for Santar. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. And that's pretty awesome that, you know, they tied it. They actually made Santarans a threat. But, you know, you guys laughed at me last time when I said, you know, they were up there with the Daleks and the uh, Cybermen. So I'm not going to bring that up again. So. Well, I would say, I, I, like I said, I'm not so I'd go that far, but they were still pretty good. Um, they were certainly more threatening than they had been. Exactly. Time. Yeah, exactly. Except for if you're a Rutan, you know. <laughs> that, was, that was a pretty funny reference. That was yeah, awesome. there are there were there were still some times where they were used comically, but they it had an edge to it. I mean walks take them down. Come on. Yeah. Um Matt Sweatman wants to know actually you can with Mike Gordon, what uh who would join the Daleks and the Cybermen in Mike Gordon's big three? Big three. Oh, well, um, if you're talking about opponents, just in general, um, you have to put the master there. So, well, but if you're talking about like races, races, then uh, the master is a force on his own. Yeah, true, true that. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to think about that one. Okay, because you put them like in the in the top ten, but you wouldn't put them up there with. I wouldn't put Centaurans at the third spot, but then again, I'm having a hard time finding, like I said, I'm having a hard time finding a spot that 
uh, like a, that would go above them. So what, the forty million angels? Would you? Put I them was going to say maybe maybe the weeping angels would go before them. Yeah, definitely the weeping angels would go before them. Okay. Okay, but see, I don't see the. I don't see the weeping angels as a force to, that invades planets and takes over and kill, you know, races and stuff like that. And where the Santarans are an army like the Cybermen and the Daleks trying to get universal domination. I mean, but which is scarier? I'm not a race say, I'm that not plays s- with their food or the Santarans? Wait, wait, wait. So, <laughs> we are, so are you saying specifically then races that are interested in universe domination. That's yeah. what you're saying. Yes. Like, so exclude like everything else. Right. Well, well, yeah. And if you're excluding everything else and having that as your only criteria, then yes, then maybe the Centaurans would be there. Okay. That's what we wanted to hear. <laughs> I have that on tape now. I'll keep on playing it over and over. <laughs> but, uh, but I think it should be op- more open than that. Nope. Exactly. I think, you know, well, if you want to go top Doctor Who villains, yeah. No, the Santarans aren't are probably in the top ten, but not up there. I think this puts the Santarans higher. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Ramona actually said she's thinking the Vashanarada or the Silence more than the Santarans. Yeah. I mean yeah. that's you know. I mean, it's it's subject to like, look, there's no wrong. There's no. It's Doctor Who. Come on, what everybody thinks, you know. I mean, some some races work than others, you know. Well, exactly. I think. I mean, the important thing is the Santarans did become more menacing again. Yes, which is awesome. Exactly. Exactly, and at least uh, they weren't all Dan Starkey too. So it's. You know, <laughs> although you could hear his voice in there. Oh, oh yeah, yes. he was there. Oh, he was there. Oh yeah, just not every single one of them. <laughs> so it, my my uh, oldest daughter was watching watching this morning, uh, watching this whole thing through, and she she's going, "Why are the Santarans licking their lips all the time?" And I said, "Don't you remember the old days with Links in particular? He was doing that. It's just a, another reference. I like the redesign." back to the uh older look yeah isn't it interesting how they that with the along with uh what uh was done a few years ago with the cybermen putting them sort of back to their old original look or whatever um isn't it interesting that you know they go back and it's there it ends up being creepier mm-hmm. yeah exactly and you can bribe them with chocolate which is even better <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, the Cybermen were never as scary when they started getting to look more like robots than like cyborgs. I mean, like if you see human parts or human forms, it's going to be more scary. You know, you get more body horror vibe than if you just see robots. Well, that's been a big issue with a lot of new Doctor Who, too, is they tried to redesign some of the monsters. I mean, like, let's remember, taste the rainbow Daleks. So... (laughs) There's been a whole thing where they they tried the redesigns and they just didn't work. <laughs> not work. No, 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 yeah. no. And the you know the physics of having the huge shield around the Earth with all those little spaceships. It's just like no. It was still daylight. I know. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that one. <laughs> you know, I just I looked at it and you know Judy said. There's supposed to be spaceships. Why is it daylight? I looked at her and said, because Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, that there were so many other impossible things going on that that didn't even face me. <laughs> no, not, not me either. I mean, that's sort of like a, look, I mean, that's a, that's something that there was a lot in this that kind of reminded me of the Russell T. Davies era. Like there was a lot of stuff that like seemed like it was, it belonged in a Sarah Jane Smith adventure episode or something like that. Cause it was about, you know, like, uh, you know, the, the, the whole race of, of, of dogs that, you know, of dog beating beings that like are, are just, their only purpose is to protect humans. Like, and there's one being for every human. It's just like, really? Like that. First of all, I felt sorry for them. Yeah, me too. Like, I'm like, and this is really the first time they've been called into action. Cause there was a lot of other times where I thought, well, maybe they, we, you know, we need some protection. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and then them yeah, conveniently, and then them conveniently killing off the whole race. It was just like you know, oh, they were all sucked into space, and it's just like, oh, really? That was it was it was just well, really badly. Well, bad. in that one, in that case, like that wasn't, uh, yeah. I mean, that was they were killed, yeah. and that was you know trying to make the Centaurans a little bit more threatening. And I and I you know I guess I can at least they weren't just like you know victims of the flux so my understanding is is that if the universe is uncompressed they will not return yeah but he doesn't know how to hit a dramatic moment he like he no. made that like a throwaway line yeah i yeah. mean that's a devastating thing no, no, no. for carbonista no, no. Throw- i mean to be fair he tried to have a moment but it seemed just ridiculous because you know you get the dog howling and it's just you know he oh, wanted to go that for was, that yeah, cling on bad that call to honor vibe that, you know, Star Trek had that just didn't work here. No. And then, you know, you had, you know, the doctor being completely insensitive again to, you know, like she was with Graham. We talked about that on the episodes. It was just, you know, I was just like, the doctor could be a little more sympathetic to, you know, all these different, you know, when somebody, you know, has, you know, deep down problems and everything like that. And she's like, Oh, okay. You know? And it's just like, that was kind of not, not appropriate. Oh, know? you mean like how the uh, fugitive doctor didn't even flinch when uh, that passenger was killed and killed like millions and millions and millions of beings. Yeah. And the fugitive doctor was just like, yeah, whatever. Oh yeah. Well, exactly. I loved seeing the fugitive doctor again, but you know, I want more of that or more detail. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she also was a character that went nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Actors is great. The idea is maybe okay, but they, with, you know, it just every time they bring her on, it just adds to a bunch of questions that will never be resolved. Well, exactly. I, I just hope that uh, part of me hopes that she's the next doctor. <laughs> I. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Nope. No, I mean, if there was anybody who was wondering about the timeless child and whether or not it was just a delusion of the master that he was trying to, you know, fake or, or, or fool the doctor or anything like that, Chibler made it pretty clear that, no, no, it's a real, this whole timeless child thing is a real thing. Now we've met the doc, uh, the doctor's adoptive mom and I talk about a beat that didn't really work. I mean, killing her didn't really muster any sort of emotion to me whatsoever. Well, she didn't even seem to care herself. <laughs> <laughs> That's no. true. Oh, she's just kind of frozen there. 
Now, and that's the interesting thing about it because, you know, you know, there was just so many things where the doctor was just not proper. Sorry about the dogs barking. <laughs> that's involved. The joy of doing that's they're, 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 they're upset, they're upset they're about it, too. <laughs> hey, they heard about a whole race of dogs dying, and they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're chiming in. No, and that's the problem with it. It was just, it just, it's just interesting with the, you know, the different races dying and, you know, there's just like, there could have been like some more tender moments, but it wasn't there. It was just really, really sad. More, more emotional moments, more, more time to breathe. I mean, when you have that many characters and you're racing around from one thing to another, then you don't have time to really feel much of anything. <laughs> Because, you know, when, when you're getting close to an emotional moment, well, it just skews to something else. And that's that's the fault of the writing? Yes. They need, they need, if they want to have that emotional impact, they need to focus on it and not jump around so much. And Doctor Who isn't the only science fiction show at the moment that, that has that issue, which I don't know if it's like a trend to just have four or five storylines going on in the same episode that's only an hour long. But, yeah. Yeah. No, and that's that's part of the thing with it was, you know, all these different storylines. And, you know, we talked about the Serpent King. And he was just – I don't think he needed to be in this story at all and everything. Well, I liked the introduction with him when we saw Vendor's past. Right. And I think he should have stayed there. That was – that he was used very well there. But that's where I would just like draw yeah. the line. I, no you know, need, the whole thing like, with him I, getting involved with Unit and yeah. pretty much destroying all the different heads Working of Unit. Working for the Centaurians. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that there wasn't even sense. any reason for Unit to be there. No, not at all. I mean, and, as much fun as I had seeing Unit. Oh, and I loved seeing Kate Stewart. Kate Stewart was <laughs> awesome. I loved did. her too. Yeah. And but you know, she didn't do anything to add to the story. No, exactly. But it, the one thing it did do was explain, you know, when the doctor a couple seasons back and they said, found out there's no more unit. This explains why unit was dismantled. He'd basically dismantled it. Doesn't really explain it. No, but uh, I'm trying to, I'm, tra- I'm trying to be somewhat positive here, Mikey. Trying, you know? I mean, I feel, I know we're picking this apart, but I still feel like this, and I don't know what this says about me or not, that this was the best Chris Chibnall season. It is. I, yes. Because I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. It, it, you know, it kept me watching all the way through mm-hmm. it, despite its many, many flaws. Um, I mean, I couldn't take my eyes off Jody, but even beyond Jody, I mean, it, it was inter- it was entertaining. It was. Uh, but, but Mary, let me ask you this real quick, though. Um, now that we've seen the end of it, that's leading towards the end. Now that we've seen the end, how much, Charlie, you're like now like, oh, I need to rewatch all of this again. Oh, I would watch it again. Yeah, I, I would, would watch. This I would season do watch again. the season again in a heartbeat. Yeah. I've watched it twice. Yeah, I've watched <laughs> it and I'll own it on DVD or Blu-ray, you know. You know, and, and I'm not really question. sure I can say that about his first two seasons. Oh, I definitely can't say that about it. It's it's interesting. I realized when I was going through my you know collection, looking at stuff, I don't have uh, Jody's first season yet. Actually, neither do I. It's just like oh, I thought I did, but nope. And I have the holiday specials, but I don't have her first season. I was just like, wow, okay, maybe I'll. The find- thing that I 
the thing that I'm always thinking about that all through the Chibnall era, I'm always thinking about is Chris Chibnall is the one who way back when was complaining about Pip and Jane Baker as being bad writers. <laughs> and in some ways he's worse. Well, I'm not no. sure I'd say he's worse, but he's... <laughs> Whoa, mean. I don't know if I'd go that far. Wow, yeah. wow. <laughs> um, Carol uh, Beryl actually posted up on the group, and she said, do the folks who write these think action is more important than character development? Yes, they do. Yes. <laughs> yes, Obviously. the answer there is yes. Either yeah. that or the editors do. Yeah. And by action, we mean like moving everything forward. That doesn't mean that it's like thrilling to watch sometimes, but things move forward because they need to, not because it makes sense for them to. Um, because Chibnall has, uh, I think, you know, he's like, well, the story has to go here. So he's forcing everything to to happen rather than just letting it happen. And it just feels like a lot of situations feel forced. But it, also, it, makes me, it really makes me want to know what they actually film versus what we see. Well, that's true. Mm, yeah. That is actually because very, that is that's a very like what they actually film in the script is very different than what we end up seeing in editing and everything. So that's yep. true. No, agree. Um, actually, Joe Heath just popped up and he said Pip and Jane Baker are at least are at least fun compared to Chibnall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I did. Well, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I found I'm, the season I'm, fun. Uh, yeah. I will say that for the most <laughs> there, part. There were, there was some fun here. I mean, I like, uh, you know, I'm oh, with yeah. Mary as well. I mean, I, I think I don't know how quick I will to be rewatching this, but, but I mean, I did have fun while I was watching it and there are a lot of little fun scenes. I mean, I mentioned when we were talking about the episodes, I like the Yaz gang. I'd like to see them do a bunch of big finishes. Well, I would love they have a couple see, years. Yeah. I would, you know, anything to get uh, Jericho back would be awesome. Yeah, Jericho and and Dan and Yaz doing having adventures in the past would be a little, very very fun. I, I like all that the dad aspect. jokes on Big Finish. It'd be great. Yeah, and I'd even like to see you know uh, Vinder and Bell and um, you know and their, and their and their dog. Yeah, and their pet dog. Yes, it's interesting. Uh, Felicity just posted said having just revisited Trial of a Time Lord with the Watchathon and Rassilon, Pip and Jane Baker are still worse. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Felicity. <laughs> Thank you, Felicity, for backing us up. Yes, but, um, for giving I, us yet another reason for not, <laughs> to not avoid trial, trial of the time, time lord. But yes. actually, both Matt Swetman <laughs> and Carol um, Beryl actually said enjoyed the flux and definitely will watch all of Jody's um, run just to watch it all again to see how it evolved and everything. No, I did love Jody from the beginning. Oh, I will Jody say that. And there are awesome. isolated episodes in the other seasons that I do like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of this mess was ever Jody's fault. Mm-hmm. But, I, I, um, I like Jody so much that I love the idea of there being three of her. Oh, that was like, brilliant. That so, was, like, now, so we so got a multi-doctor story for the final yeah, episode. That, that part was good. <laughs> three doctors. Every time, yes. every time they cut away, we still got the doctor, which is great. It's like, why didn't you like split her up like like, like three episodes ago so we could have three for all the time? <laughs> and that, it was just, that was brilliant. I loved that. And it was actually awesome. And I loved when she saw herself and was like, hi, you're kind of cute. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it was just like, it's like, oh, that's just awesome. Um, you know, we had brought this up last week and originally for the storyline, um, Captain Jack was supposed to be part of this also. And could you, oh. 
I, that's that's the question. <laughs> what would have you know changed with that and everything? Because they had to rewrite the story to write him out after the whole thing about him exposing himself and everything. Look, it just would have been much one more character that didn't really have a lot to do that was yeah. seemed, uh, extraneous. Yeah, and, he would have just uh, been shoehorned yeah, in anyway. Yeah, yeah, you know, maybe maybe he was supposed to be there with Torchwood instead of Unit. Uh, you know, who knows? Like, um, you know, we I doubt we'll ever know. It would be interesting to see the original eight-page, I don't know if it got to a script format, but outline. Um, but, you know, as it is, you just have to... Uh, review what you see and what was produced and, and uh, who knows? I mean, I, 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 you know, I feel kind of bad because I don't know when the next time we'll see Captain Jack will be ever probably we will, but it's going to be a while. Mm-hmm. Like, it's funny though. Cause you know, I love Barrowman. I think he's awesome. He's, you know, a little risque. He's a little, you know, crazy, but you know, would I want to see him back as Captain Jack again? Yes, of course. Yes. You know, and again, we also don't know what those two episodes that they cut were going to be as well. That's true. That's very true. So, you know, it says something that they had to come out with a YouTube video to explain the story after the story was done. Yeah. yeah. Chibnall recorded a a 15 minute thing where he talked about, I guess, to try to explain it. I haven't watched that yet. Uh, I don't know if anybody has, but I don't From what I understand, it didn't help. No, I've heard no, multiple. I, wa- I watched it. <laughs> I watched it, and it didn't help the story at all. No, and it it actually to me made well, all you of Flux as a writer. Yeah, you well, have to explain a story exactly. afterwards. If you have to explain your story to the average person, there's something wrong with what you wrote, basically, and that's what made it kind of pathetic to me. But I mean that that is another weakness of Chibnall's is there's a lot of telling and not showing, you know, rather than developing the the plot line, developing the characters, weaving them around each other, making them serve each other. He just has a lot of exposition where you know the doctor stands there and somebody tells her what's going on <laughs> instead of us watching the doctor you know solve things herself and lead up to that. Not just exposition, but exposition that me- makes just. No sense, <laughs> no, no sense at all. It doesn't even help his exposition. If you're going to give us exposition, at least make <laughs> it make some sense. <laughs> no, Joe Heath actually just posted about that video that uh, Chibnall posted. He says, there's parts of it he even seems confused by it in the video. He says, I think about the character motivation a couple times. How does he not know he's the one creating these characters? Yeah. Well, that explains a lot, actually, if he doesn't know. Yeah, or Matt Sweatman wrote, it's like having to explain a joke after you've told it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, that's just says it right there. And wow. And, you know, folks, I really hate making it sound negative. There's a lot we did like about this yes. season. There was a lot to like about the season. Did I like the six-part one story? Yes. I loved the idea. It brought me back to the Tom Baker era when I first started watching Doctor Who, where you actually had the cliffhangers at the end of the episodes. We used to you know, rave about Moffat when he was doing the season of two-parters with Capaldi yeah. and how we loved you know, the, the cliffhangers on those. And this, I think, 
there really wasn't any cliffhanger that I didn't like on this one. Even when Swarm was going to, you know, reaching down to touch the doctor at the end of the episode of season, of episode five, and then the, the very first scene in episode six, whoop, I missed it. You missed me. You got to come <laughs> and get me. It was like, oh, geez. Yeah. The resolution of the cliffhangers was not nearly as good as the cliffhangers. Yeah. I, I did love the angel has the TARDIS. Uh, that was a great. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. That was a, a yeah, flashback was right back to blank right there. Yeah, exactly. And that was just, that was genius. And I and again, love there was the, the resolution of it. It was just like, okay, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That whole episode, though, had so many great, like, throwbacks, like, all the way down to them looking at her drawings. And, like, you know, everybody watching that was like, that's drawing of Angel. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't look at it. <laughs> Exactly. And it's just like, okay, this is going to get ugly. And, but the angels was awesome. The angels were just awesome. That was the best episode of the whole series. Yeah. And oh, I, th- yeah. I think for me, the second one was the Santarin episode. I thought that was yeah. a very, it wasn't a close runner up, but it was a runner up. And mm-hmm. then I thought I liked five because it had the Yaz gang in it, as Mike called it. And but then, oh, yeah. but then, yes, gang. exactly. Copyright Mike Gordon, twenty twenty one. Did, did that guru on on the mountain remind you though of the uh, that one character in one of the Indiana Jones movies who does the used car salesman uh, thing yeah. with yeah. the car? He's also in. Uh, I don't remember which movie it was, but it the whole shifting out of character. Into the funny business. Mm-hmm. Just, uh. <laughs> there was a bit of that. I know. I wish we didn't get that. You know, and I agree with what Matt Sweatman just wrote. He said, I wish we could get a year of RTD and Jody to see how she would do under a new showrunner. Yeah, I yeah. would have loved to have seen her with a different showrunner. I would love to see Yaz and Jody or and the doctor. No. Uh, well. You know, and there's a ton of fan fiction that's going to be coming out now with, uh, you know, Yaz and... Uh, it's been coming out for years. Yeah. And, you know, from the, the very first scene in the uh, first episode where they land on the bed, and it's like, oh, what's her bed doing in the TARDIS? You know, and the, the yeah. you know, it's like, uh-huh. And there, it literally, when Yaz saw the Doctor in the final episode, I almost felt like Yaz was going to kiss the Doctor. And, you know, and I would have been okay with it. You know, so what? You know, it's, you know, you could tell Yaz has feelings for the doctor. It's obvious. Mm. And, you know, and, you know, so be it. It's two women. Who cares? You know, and, you know, it's the same thing as if it was Captain Jack gave a nice smooch to Graham, you know, and nobody. (laughs) So, you know, I don't, I wouldn't think of anything bad about it. So. You know, I would because there's a horrible and evil and even power dynamic there, but it's nothing to do with them being two women. No, it has to do with them being this all powerful being and a and a, and a, and a human. human. Yeah, it's like uh, for Matt Sweatman, positives: the angels, the Santarans, and the multiple Jodies. Agreed, agreed, and add uh, Professor Jericho to that list. Were the big positives out of this? Um, and the cliffhangers. The, the, two, the two episodes that we've all kind of agreed were the best was a historical episode and a horror episode, which 
Doctor Who has always been able to pull off pretty well. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, very that's much so. true. Yep, agreed. Um, I just think this was real interesting to see, and you know, I've I've had fun with it, and you know, I wish the other seasons were this fun. And you know, at the end, there wasn't any episode I walked away from it and was pissed. Not like Cyber Brigadier, you know, but with that, <laughs> you know, wow. but you know. Yeah. But goes right for the groin punch. <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> I never said I fight fair, Mike Gordon. I never said I, fight fair. I know. I know. But it's like, damn. It's like if that's your measuring stick, ooh, goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. But um, truthfully, you know, I I loved seeing. You know, you got the the hint that uh, Cardenista and the fugitive doctor they were companions with each other. You know, the Doctor and Companion. And yeah. I thought it was lame. Oh, I have a thing in my brain that if I say anything about it, it'll go off. And it's like, <laughs> and Division is still out there. Division has its fingers in everything, supposedly. So are they going to write that off? You know, is that yeah, going to be still out there? That. We don't. What? Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't even, what even know what di- it was. What is the difference between Division and the Celestial Intervention Agency? Well, maybe <laughs> because Doctor Who might are, are they both yeah. poorly written concepts? I don't know. I mean, are they, like, is that the difference? Like, I don't like. I don't get any more sense of what Division is now than what an awful name too. Division, division? Just sounds so generic. Not, not my division. Yeah. It's a joy. It's a joy. <laughs> Hashtag not my division. Yeah. Uh, not my division. <laughs> nope, definitely not. And that, that's not my, not my bag of dollars. That whole space station is still there in the middle of the universes. And so, and there's an ood still. Now, there. division is being controlled by an ood. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the ood have taken over. Well, the oods have been behind a lot of things in new. Yeah, yeah. They, they seem like they're like, you know, subservient, like quiet beings, but man. It's going to come out that they're like really the masterminds. They're like the third. They're like the third biggest. <laughs> they're the third. There, that's who it is. It's the ooze. There you go. There you go. <laughs> okay, Joe Heath just wrote the thing I feel most mixed about is that on one hand, I'm glad that Vinder and Bell didn't turn out to be the doctor's parents, but on the other hand, that would have been more interesting than the next to nothing thing that they wound up doing. Good point. Touche. But maybe they really are. We don't know. We don't know. She's still yeah. pregnant. Yeah. She yeah. Know. And Jerry Chandler just popped in and said the difference is that how they spelled it's the ood, not the odd. Always. The. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting. Um, I, I feel like we've been beating up on this thing really badly tonight and we've had fun with it. Um, yeah. And you know what? Doctor Who is still fun to watch, and I'm glad we got to watch it. And, you know, good Doctor Who is great. Bad Doctor Who is bad, but it's still better than a lot of other things out there. So, you know, and I'm glad we still have it. And, you know, in two weeks, we're going to have a holiday special. And then we're going to have another one in, I think, April, they said. 
Yeah. Is, when they're special. I don't know. I don't celebrate those holidays. <laughs> and, you know, and then also, and then we have one, I think it's definitely scheduled. I think they said October 18th. I, yeah. Because that's the it's 100th okay. anniversary of the BBC. Mm-hmm. So I think that's when we're getting Jodie's regeneration. And there are pictures of her floating around already, sitting with her hands glowing. So it's just like. Of course there are. And it's like, oh, great. Great, great, great. I was kind of hoping they'd, they'd wait until the uh, next anniversary for the regeneration, but I guess not. No, exactly. So they're going to have a brand new doctor because uh, RTD has already said there is going to be, a, you know, an anniversary special. So better be. <laughs> so, and I just, you know, I just always thought that's, you know, great thing about it is there's always going to be new Doctor Who and we're probably going to get an announcement fairly soon, I would almost expect. Probably, you know, I would say after the first of the year and after the holiday special, I wouldn't be shocked if we get an announcement on who the new Doctor is going to be. But wouldn't it be be awesome if they just surprised everybody? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. (laughs) And didn't make the announcement. It's Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, my God. He's the doctor. No. <laughs> no, I wouldn't even want that for anybody. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not Daniel Radcliffe. It's Rupert Grint. Oh, no, no. <laughs> At least he's ginger, ginger finally. Finally ginger. <laughs> well, you know, if you were going to have a ginger doctor, that would be the oh, that would be the ginger doctor. <laughs> the ultimate. The ultimate. All right. Um. Let's go ahead and give our ratings, but before we do, let's read through what um, the folks who were on other episodes um, did. And from episode one of Flux, we had Charles and Veronica from Earth Station Trek. Uh, Charles gave it a four and a half TARDISes, because one being the worst, five being the best. He really liked it. Veronica, though, gave it a three for the whole series. Uh, Mark McRae, who was in the second one with Felicity... Um, Mark gave it a four and so did Felicity. And then we had Alan Seiler and Mike Faulkner. Um, Alan Seiler gave it a two and he's not our (laughs) lowest folks. He's not our lowest. (laughs) And we were, I was fully expecting Alan to be the lowest. So, um, Michael (laughs) Faulkner gave it a three and a half. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Rob Levy, um, and Matt Swetman were in the next episode. Rob gave it a three, and Matt Swetman gave it a three and a half. And then in the next in episode five, we had Anthony Williams and Mark Heffernan. Anthony gave it a two and a half Tardises. Mark Heffernan gave it a one. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Not like it. <laughs> nope. Wow. All right. And then in our last episode. Uh, Ramona gave it a four and Shirley. Um, we haven't heard from Shirley, so we'll, we'll make one up for her. No, just kidding. I won't, I won't do that. <laughs> she gave it a 12. No, um, she was actually very critical of the series. So I'll be very curious to hear what she has to say. Um, I, you know, definitely want to hear from the folks in the room and we'll give, we'll come around to this. Uh, Lillian gave the whole thing a three and we knew Ramona gave it a four. So good. If anyone else in the Facebook group wants to give it a rating, we'd love to hear from them, but let's go around now and 
find out what we thought about it. Kirby, you're going to go first. Uh, I'd say about a three and a half. I mean, it was enjoyable. I was so glad to have new Doctor Who. And I was right there every week watching it just as soon as I could. Uh, so it wasn't the worst thing. It wasn't Orphan 55. <laughs> so, so. I can understand you doing that. Okay. Not Orphan 55, three and a half. Yes. All right, Angela, you're up next. I think I would give it a four because I did enjoy this season. I have a lot of complaints about the organization of the episodes and how the story flowed through them. I kind of felt like they could have, again, they put too many storylines in each episode. I felt like they could have organized them a little better, but let's still say a four. A four. And we got an awesome Weeping Angels episode that, again, okay. I still think it's about. I think that's totally fair. Very awesome. All right, Mary, what about you? Uh, I think I'm going to go with three and a half. I mean, I it was a hot mess, but it was an entertaining mess. And I mean, I think it would have been helped a lot by being pared down and uh, and by perhaps having uh, some more uh, diverse writers than just Chibnall uh, working on them, because frankly, the best episode was the one Chibnall didn't write. <laughs> um, sorry, Chris, but wow. Um but you know it was it's still it was entertaining. It it and I would go back and watch it again. So I I'm gonna give it a three and a half. Awesome. That is awesome. Mr. Mike Gordon. Well, um I mean I can't yeah, I I, I can't there's a lot to like about it and it was fun. I can't go as high as a four. Um and some of the writing and some of all that was just missed opportunities and uh, a lot of ball dropping. So I would say like, I could definitely see where the ones and twos come into play. Uh, but because Jody is so strong, uh, she gets like a 20. Oh, she was amazing. <laughs> I, no, I, you're not getting an argument on me on that one. At all. So I gave it a so, three and a half. So, <laughs> and so with her 20 and an average for the rest of it, it comes out to be about a three and a half. Okay. Damn it, I hate when I agree with you guys. Damn it. <laughs> All the time, because that's what I had written down here was a three and a half. Because literally, the, for me, the angel story and Jody saved the season for me. Because, yes, I looked forward to watching it. I loved having new Doctor Who back. And there was... There, there was a highlight in every episode. There wasn't any episodes that I just flat out hated and yeah. that's you know and there was plenty of seasons the last two seasons that there were episodes we were like why why even with graham in it we were like why why and that's the sad you know the thing about it actually matt sweatman posted and he said you know the best way to describe this season was an entertaining hot mess that's what i'm going to say about this whole season that's what it was but, you know, Jody saved it for me, and I loved it. A um, couple more numbers again. Um, Elizabeth Laney gave it a 4.5. Most of those stars are because it actually held my interest. That's cool. It's been a while for a lot of people that Doctor Who, people were actually excited about Doctor Who. And this got people excited about it again, which is pretty darn awesome. Uh, 
let's see who else. Carol, she gave it a four. She kept her excited. And you know what? That's awesome. I'm glad it kept her excited. I'm glad it kept her interested. And you know what? This is what we like to hear, that there's interest in Doctor Who again, that people are excited about it. You know, will this interest keep people coming for the specials? I hope so. I really hope so. I want to see great things coming out of it. I would love to see, you know, rolling into the 100th anniversary of BBC and then coming into the return of Russell T. Davies. Because, folks, if I have to play some recordings of some of what we talked about, Russell T. Davies, they weren't all, you know, sunshine and <laughs> butterflies, folks. Yeah. You know, remember, we did have farting aliens. Just remember that. Oh, yeah. He, he went... Uh, to the depths a few times. Yes, he did. But I do think he has some standout episodes also. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty awesome. And you know what? Um, I definitely would love to, you know, just have more good Doctor Who and fun Doctor Who. And this was fun. That's, you know, it wasn't great. No, but it was fun. And I was excited. And you know what? I'll renew this podcast for another season. What the hell? So you all have jobs. <laughs> heard it it's first. good. You heard it first. We're not going to do trial. We're not going to do trial of the time lord for quite some time yet. <laughs> so we're good. So, but you know what? Definitely would love to hear from folks at home. We definitely would love to hear from you. Write us, of course, feedback at earthstationwho.com. And of course, if you haven't yet, join the ESW Facebook group. We have got a great, great group of people up there talking all about Doctor Who and having a lot of fun. And speaking of a lot of fun, we are going to be back in two weeks, right before the holiday special, folks. We are going to be doing another episode of Doctor Who, and we are talking about Evil of the Daleks. That's Ooh. right. We're going to the second Doctor era. And we, this is the episode that introduces Victoria. So can't wait for that. Good old Screamer herself. So it should, <laughs> should be very, very interesting. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. Thank you to the folks on Facebook. We've had a great, great group of people that, you know, I really appreciate it. And Elizabeth just wrote, this podcast was the best part of the season. Thank you. Aww. That's really sweet. Thank, Thank you. you. Love you. Uh, again, again, a, a low bar. Yeah, exactly. It's still, it's, you know, we're still above Cyber Brigadier, so it's really good. There we go. That's a very low bar. Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening tonight. As we like to say, we are part of the ESO Network. If you get a chance and want to throw a couple shekels our way, please sign up for the ESO Patreon. We've got some great stuff happening up there. we got a brand new show available to the ESO patrons starting this week, actually. Mike and I are doing a new podcast. That's right. A spinoff of Earth Station One called Rants and Raves. That's right. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be coming probably every few weeks or so, you know, whenever we feel like doing it, there's not going to be any set schedule. And half the time we probably won't even know what we're talking about. So check it out. You could become a patron of the ESO network for as little as a dollar a month. And you could just go to patreon.com slash ESO network. And if we don't talk to you guys before the holidays, I hope everyone has a very safe and happy Christmas and you know, everyone had a great Hanukkah, great Kwanzaa's coming up, you know, just celebrate with your friends and family. That's what the season's for. We'll talk to you soon. Love you guys. We'll miss you. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for joining us. Bye, Facebook. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You can subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. How did watchdog groups with no experience in television take a controlling interest on Saturday morning television? When did Wonder Woman make her animated debut? Want to know why there were two competing Ghostbuster shows? How Atari changed the Saturday morning landscape. How did networks compete over similar genres at the same time? Find out all of this and more on the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. A proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Thank you.